Ever thought about starting your own podcast? The Maverick Podcasting Network makes creating and running your podcast easy and fun. Visit maverickpodcasting.com to get started today. Hi, my name is Jordana. You're listening to The Ultimate Guide in my podcast, Drink It In. In this series, we hear from some of today's most influential therapists and life coaches in the Jewish community. I gained so much insight from each one of them, and I know you will too. Enjoy this episode. Hi, everyone. This is Jordana Baracha from Drink It In underscore Jordana. I am in the midst of season five. Um, if you've been following along with me, you've realized that I've picked different episodes or I should say different seasons to go along with what I'm feeling, what I want to research, what I want to know more about. And so this season has all been all about life coaches and therapists. And when I thought about life coaches and therapists, and when I'm on Instagram, because you know, I'm pretty new to it in the past two years, there was this therapist that kept on popping up. She's hip, she's young, but what's the beauty about her platform is she gives these wonderful tidbits of advice, concise, on the mark. It always seems to be something I really needed to hear. So I reached out and you're gonna meet her right now. I reached out to Aliza Shapiro and she's gonna introduce herself and we're gonna learn more about Aliza together. Aliza, please introduce yourself. Well, thank you, Jordan. I'm so excited to be here. And that was such a special way of introducing me. Thank you. Um, it's always so meaningful and people resonate with my Instagram platform. Um, but yes, a bit about me. So my name is Lisa Shapiro. I'm a practicing therapist here in the city. Um, I have my own private practice and I see patients in New York and Florida. And I also work as the VP of people and culture at a bigger practice called the Center for Anxiety. We have offices across New York and Boston. Mm -hmm. So I've been living in the city for uh, maybe six plus years at this point. And I went to grad school here and that's, that's a bit about me and I'm really excited to have this conversation with you today I'm talking about wow. mental health therapy and everything in between. Okay, thank you. So two things you just said that I need to hit on. Yeah. New York and Florida. What's that? Like what was <laughs> Well, my family is in Florida. I actually spent most of COVID um back and forth between New York and Florida. So while I was there, I'm like I may as well get licensed here um mm -hmm. because I was getting a lot of referrals, so that's what I did. I got licensed in Florida and and so right now my practice is telehealth um, all via Zoom and I see and I see people in both states because that's where I'm licensed, um, which is really nice. Very nice. Very nice. So, yeah. you know, that's good. Nice place to stay with COVID. Bringing oh up COVID. Yeah, right. I got it. I had to get out of the city. It was not it was not our it was not our shining moment, you know. <laughs> no, correct. That was crazy. Yeah. Um, speaking about COVID, did like things picked up from COVID if you speak about anxiety? Yeah, so it was really, um, to be very honest with you, it was a rough time, like for us as therapists, um, especially in my group practice, it was really, really tough. First of all, we had to switch everything over to telehealth like that. Mm -hmm. And also I specialize in anxiety and OCD, specifically illness anxiety, um, also more commonly known as hypochondriasis. And there was a lot of that going on, obviously, right? The, the fears around illness and the fears around death, dying, sickness, and everything really peaked. And there was just like an influx of patients 
um, in my own practice and in everybody's practice. And I think for the first time, many therapists were, were not just full, but were like overfull. And, you know, it was kind of our duty to be there for, for the world in the ways that we're trained for, which ended up being a beautiful thing, but definitely was an overwhelming beginning of, of the pandemic for us. And I'm sure I speak for other therapists who probably felt the same way too. You know, it's interesting. I, I think you're already now the fifth therapist that I've interviewed. And I, this question, you brought it up. So I didn't think about asking any other therapist. So I'm going to ask you, you said you yeah. had to switch over to telehealth one, two, three. How yeah. was that transition? Like, was it weird? Were you like nervous beforehand that, oh my gosh, I'm not going to do as a good job because I'm not in person. And then once you did switch over, were you shocked with the results? Like it wasn't as what you might've thought. Yeah. I mean, th those two questions are like so spot on. I think we were super nervous to make the switch. Of course, as therapists, we never want anything to get lost. And there's so much that happens in the interpersonal connection, body language, feeling somebody's energy, feeling their silence, feeling their distance, feeling like, okay, they're, they're present or they're not present, that we were all really worried about getting lost over Zoom or over telemedicine. And in the beginning, there was definitely an adjustment period for me. I had to figure out the best practices and how to make it work and how to make myself fully present over a screen instead of in person. And I think as human beings, it was one of the most incredible things that like I've seen. We're so adaptable. Mm -hmm. We hit a problem. We need to create a solution. And we eventually learn how to make it work. Not just like, okay, we're going to like kind of like breeze, breeze through, but actually to op optimize it and to make it something that's just as good. And in some cases, even better because there's so much convenience for Zoom and there's so many more opportunities for an emergency session um, and to follow through and generalization of skills and everything that we've been working on. And I really do think that we've adapted. Um, it's wild. Most of my most of my clients that I work with now prefer Zoom actually. Mm. And they don't even want to come in person because they're like, this is too easy and it's too convenient and it's working. And I feel the connection. I feel like we're doing good work. Um, so we've definitely adapted and I think some people have even have even wanted to stick with it. That's not everybody. And I very much know that there are people that like need to be in person and I respect that fully. And some days I have that on my own as well, but we've definitely learned how to make it work. I know, you know, that's amazing. I think that was the biggest blessing from COVID is the adapting. Cause I'm a yeah. teacher in the morning. I don't know if you know mm -hmm. that. And so I teach, I'm a middle school Dean. Yeah. When I had to switch over to zoom. Yeah. I know I was, I was, I told the children, we're not going to learn the same amount of information, but the skill set that they've gained from learning to adapt yeah. and redirect themselves is unsurmountable. I mean, it's like you, you just gained this life skill that you're going to need yeah. for the rest of your life. So if you learn another verse with me, whoopie doo da. like that's not going to get you anywhere, but, but, if, but what they've learned, I remember this one student, he was so sweet. I was telling them, you know, just like it's hard for you guys, your parents are all now at home and they're trying to manage you, manage their job. Everything is going on. Maybe ask them yeah. if they could use some help. And so this one student, he made dinner for his parents as a surprise. And he sent me a picture of it. And it was so sweet because oh, he, he, I know he, he took my words and he, it, he took it to heart and he, and he did something with it, but I will tell you, I don't know if wow. I really should say this yeah, on, yeah. on my podcast, <laughs> when the, when, what the heck, when <laughs> my other favorite part was on Zoom was that um, when they finally had the manicurists were coming yeah. and making house calls, 
Yeah. I actually was able to get a manicure while I'm teaching. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't, it wasn't planned. I didn't plan it like that. I really planned to have the manicure before I started my class, but she came late. And so I was like, I was sitting there with my hands, you know, and teaching, I got my job done and I got my nails done. So that's, that's adapting my friend. That's how we learn how to do it. (laughs) Wow. That is incredible. (laughs) But let's, let's go back to now your Instagram platform, your social media. Yeah. When did you open that? What did you hope to achieve and connecting to your job and everything? Sure. So I actually started it during the, like the very beginning of the pandemic. Mm. It was the perfect timing. I felt like in terms of people really needing a little bit more mental health support um, and also people being stuck in their homes on online using social media and using the internet as their means of connection to other people. So that actually kind of worked out well in terms of when I started it off. And I had been thinking about it before the pandemic. I think one of my first posts was like, I had like one post in February and then I like put it on hold and then March came and I'm like, all right, now's my time to shine. Um, but the, the real goal that I had with it was to normalize conversations around mental health mm-hmm. and to destigmatize therapy, to destigmatize conversations around emotions, which we've been doing better at, I think, as a society, but we're not fantastic. And I think there's still very much this notion that if you're if you're sick or if you have like a mental health challenge of any kind you're kind of put in this category you're put in this separate box and that's just not true and people who struggle with mental health look exactly like you and like me and you can be the most like well-adjusted successful happy person on the outside and still have a lot of struggles on the inside or just questions or conversations that need to be had or things that need to be learned related to your emotions that I didn't feel like were really accessible. So I think those are my biggest two things. Number one, to destigmatize. Number two, to make conversations around mental health more accessible. Um, And I just wanted to do that in a way that felt normal and not like in your face, but also helped people kind of get to that raw, real space within themselves that existed, but didn't necessarily have a place to be heard or or validated. Right, wow, how beautiful. this is the living proof that it worked for me. <laughs> you achieved it with me, but I'm just curious, have you been able to gauge it? Did you feel like you've slowly accomplished what you set out to do through your social media platform? Have people been contacting you? Have, been, have you been getting DMs? Have things picked up for you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm, to be honest, like pretty blown away mm. at how it went. I started it really like, on a whim, I was sitting with two of my friends on like a Saturday night and I hadn't even opened my private practice yet. So it was like very, very new. And they kept saying like, you really should do something. You should try. I'm like, okay. And so then one of my friends was like, I'll, I'll help you get started. I'll force you to like make your first post. And I'm like, fine, you forced me, I'll do it. <laughs> and um, so that's kind of how it started. And then things, things started to just keep going. And it was so incredible to see the support and the reaction that people were having around, you know, things that I felt were like the norm to talk about, because I'm a therapist. So I do this literally day in and day out. But other people were like, I needed to hear that. Or how did you summarize that in one sentence? It's exactly something I've been struggling with for months on end. And I think where I felt the most like 
lit up is in the Q&As. I don't know if you've seen the Q&As that I've done, um, but I just have like a question box and people can ask me. And, and it's so incredible to see the community and people like seriously opening up about just things that are so genuine and so raw and, and so connected to, their self, to themselves or to their challenges that they're willing to kind of bring out into the world. And then I have a space to answer them. And I think those have been like a real connector for a lot of people too. So I would say, yes, I have been accomplishing. I don't think it's like an end mark where I'm like, I've accomplished, but I definitely do feel that Instagram and the community have given me the space to start these conversations. And of course I couldn't do it without people like, like honestly, like you who, who react and who engage and who just are supporting the whole, the whole thing. Right. So I'm, I'm, I've been really blown away by it all. Well, you know, I, you mentioned something and I thought it was so beautiful how you, how you worded it, I'm accomplishing, but didn't accomplish, you know, you're not finished accomplishing, you know, you're in the process. I like that a lot. That's, that's really beautiful. Um, now it's interesting. You spoke about the Q and A's. I'm not sure if it was your account or it might've been somebody else's account. I'm not sure. You might've said this also, I it could, that when you do the Q and A's is like a disclaimer. This is yeah. not instead of a therapist, yeah. right? <laughs> right? Like, yeah. you find, yeah. Do you find that maybe some people are trying to like get gain or glean information and they're going to use this as a band-aid or this is the end all to all? Are you like concerned about that? What, what are your feelings around that? I mean, I definitely have a disclaimer on my <laughs> site. Sometimes I, on, on Instagram and sometimes I have to like create really strong boundaries. Um, right. I don't answer all the questions that come in through the Q&A because sometimes right. I have like a little like radar that goes off that says, hey, this would be better answered in a therapy session or I'll get a DM that I'm like, I, I wish I could help this person, but I'm not their therapist. So I think it's a, very much about boundaries and having boundaries on who you answer and how you answer. Mm -hmm. um, but net net, I would say that most people gain from it in a way that's healthy and in a way that can enhance their lives. But they know that like, hopefully you're not trying to solve all your life problems from like one Instagram therapist post, you know? No, <laughs> so know. yeah, but I, I definitely hear what you're saying. And it's been something that I've had to kind of create just healthy boundaries around and, and hope that people are doing that on their end as well. Right. Yeah. Boundaries are really important. Yeah. Now, now starting your own private practice, so you could answer either about your practice, about um, social media, whichever, or did you have any challenges or obstacles along the way that you needed to like jump over that hurdle? Yeah, for sure. Um, so first of all, I was, I have been a therapist at the Center for Anxiety for many years. So that's been an amazing training ground for me. And I was trained by this incredible Harvard psychologist, Dr. David Rossman, and he really gave me a lot of confidence in my clinical skills. Mm -hmm. um, starting anything new, is very scary <laughs> and you really have to kind of look inside and you have to say I have I need to let my belief in myself be greater than my fear mm -hmm. which is a really scary thing to do for a lot of people if not for everybody and I think that part of it is recognizing that fear doesn't go away when you start something new it's just that you have to allow it to be in the picture and you have to allow the rest of yourself to be in the picture too the fact that I believe in myself, the fact that all hard things usually end up being worthwhile. You know, the fact that anything that you're passionate about takes time and takes effort. Fear of failure is possible and we're going to do it anyway. 
So I definitely had my own hesitations to start my private practice. I had an amazing mentor who was just kind of like, Eliza, stop doing that thing and just dive in. And I'm like, okay, I hear you. I see you. You're right. Um, but I think like, probably, I hope, I assume a lot of people can relate. Starting anything worthwhile comes with a lot of, of fear. Um, and I invited it in and I said, you're allowed to be part of this picture, but you're not the determining force in my life. And then I dove in. Mm. Probably for both social media and, and my private practice, to be honest. Wow. So beautiful. I loved what you just said. Again, belief in myself has to be stronger than the fear, mm -hmm. you know, in order to get through. I mean, you know, talking about myself also, when I did this podcast, I can't even tell you how scared yeah. I was. I could not start the podcast. I could not start the podcast. I'm like, I can't, I can't, I can't. Ah. And I yeah. had a business coach, you know, it's so funny. So funny that you're saying you have a mentor, you're a therapist. You also have someone helping you out on the sidelines, of course, yeah. you know, and, and, and they also, they pushed me, no, Jordana, write it down. Who are you going to, you know, who are you going to contact? It's okay. Okay. I said, I could just contact the people. It's okay. And I contacted 22 people and 11 people responded. I mean, that, that was awesome. And I ended it up interviewing six people in my first season. And that's, and that just became my go-to six episodes every season. That's how I just stick with it. And I love it. I love it because that's what it is. I had to believe in myself, even though I was scared, even though I had these fears and I just had to do it and know that I could do it. And I, you should know this has been, this podcast and meeting people like you has been so therapeutic. I mean, I also have therapy, but I'm just saying it's been so therapeutic for me as a person, as a human being, meeting new people, having these conversations has been awesome. Um, now, what is your favorite part about your job? What are you most passionate about? What area of it? <sighs> Great question. First of all, props to you um, for starting this podcast and for creating a space where people have the opportunity to share their own stories. Um, I, and I love that you're focusing on life coaches and therapists this, uh, this season. I think it's amazing. And I, I also think that it's so important to normalize like the other side, the life on the other side as a therapist or as a life coach, because that's part of this all too. So anyway, props to you. And, and I'm really happy that you were, that you made the decision to take the plunge, even though you were scared as well. Um, okay. <laughs> My, what I'm most passionate about, that is a good question. Um, I think broadly speaking, I'm passionate about helping people kind of reach a, a deeper place within themselves and being able to live in accordance with their values and with, with the parts of themselves that are more real and more true to them instead of their fears or sadness or other emotions that might be, or anger, or other emotions that might be on the surface and have been dictating big parts of their life. Mm. So that's probably, and just in terms of like, as a, as a therapist, the thing that gives me, that lights me up the most or gives me the most fire. Like we can, we can get to a deeper place. You can live your life in accordance with the things that are deeply valuable to you instead of just, you know, your emotions or your trauma or your past or old mentalities that have been the driving force for a really long time. Mm. Um, yeah, I would say that's probably the biggest thing. And I think that the other part of it, you know, is that I really like to inform people that therapy can work and that it's not just that you need to sit on like a Freudian couch for the next five years of your life um, and, and just free associate for two hours a week or whatever it is. But that there's actually evidence-based practice, there are real treatment, you know, modalities that work. And then if you have anxiety or if you have OCD or if you have panic disorder or social anxiety or things, 
like depression or whatever it is, there are actual treatment approaches that in a short amount of time can get you back on your feet. And of course the exploring work, it, it does take more time, but you don't have to wait forever to start feeling better. And if you get a skilled therapist that specializes in the areas that you're struggling with, really can make progress. It's really a thing that can help you live a very different life, especially if you've been struggling with it, whatever it is for a while. Mm. Now you mentioned there are different methods and treatments. Is there one specific one that you use in your field? Yes, yeah, so I specialize in um, CBT and DBT. So cognitive behavioral therapy and dialectical behavior therapy. I was trained in DBT and I've run DBT groups for years. And in cognitive behavioral therapy, which is more the umbrella, mm -hmm. there are specific cognitive and behavioral approaches that you can utilize for specific mental health challenges or disorders. So for example, with depression, it's kind of recognizing where is this root coming from, but then being able to say, okay, to combat my depression, I have to change not just my thoughts, but also my behaviors. So behavioral activation is kind of like the big MO for treating depression, for anxiety, it's exposure and response prevention therapy. If I'm afraid of this thing, I'm not just gonna talk about it till the day I die, I'm gonna actually learn how to face it, figure out what is really scary for me, what is my true focus of apprehension and how can I slowly with the support of hopefully the therapist that I really trust, start to face this thing and start to incorporate um, homework and, and exposure therapies into my daily living so that eventually the fear doesn't control me but it actually starts to get smaller and I, and I get to make the choices that I want within my life. So those are just two examples of, of the CBT approaches. And then DBT has elements of that, but also incorporates mindfulness um, and understanding that there are, there is space in the world for your emotions and for other things as well. So that's what the word like dialectics um, means. So that's, and that's what DBT stands for, dialectical behavior therapy. So those are the two modalities that I usually pull from the most in my practice. Okay. Okay. Now this is like, might be too personal, not personal, however you want to go with it. That's okay. Have you mm -hmm. like, sometimes we take on certain professions based on our own life experiences. Was yeah. there something, any experiences you had, whether your own personal family friendships that led you to become this therapist or enhances your way of giving therapy to others and connecting to others? Yeah, that's a great question. I love this question because <laughs> it forces me to introspect too. <laughs> um, so I think as a, as a human, I have always been deeply emotional mm -hmm. and deeply sensitive and intuitive. And I think that that was a way of moving through the world that I didn't necessarily feel like everybody in my life related to, mm -hmm. which in this place in my life, I recognize is true. Like not everybody has that experience, but I certainly, certainly did. Mm -hmm. um, so I think kind of like that groundwork has always been there. I've always been connected to emotions and depth and kind of like I'm trying to, to reach that place in my own life. And that's probably just like on a very human personal level, what laid the groundwork for this career path for me. In terms of like specific things, I, um, my sister is a psychologist, so she for sure had a lot of impact on me as well. Actually, it's so funny when I was, a, when I was younger, I don't even know how I 
had this mentality, but I was kind of like, I will never be a therapist. And my sister's name is Rena. And I'm like, Rena, your, your kids are going to be insane. And I'm going to be the aunt that saves them because if their mom is a psychologist, they're going to be a little crazy. <laughs> I remember they say, the, the shoemakers, right? The shoemakers kids exactly. never want shoes. <laughs> exactly. And she was like, okay, all right, Aliza. And I just like, remember having that experience, but she for sure was one of my um, she for sure influenced the way that I saw therapy. And I also remember having this one experience when I was in high school. I had a year that I really like didn't like high school and I was like very unhappy in my school. Just like wasn't the right fit for me. And my parents like offered me to go to therapy. And I'm like, mm, literally not gonna happen. <laughs> and they're like, just try it, Aliza. It can't hurt. So I go to this therapist and I just had this like really strong, she was so sweet, really kind, very well intentioned, but I had this real feeling like there's no part of you that can relate to my life. I remember thinking in my head, like you're 80 years old. She definitely like wasn't 80 years old. <laughs> but she seems 80 years old. And I'm like, that sweater is awful. And like, I'm sitting in this stuffy office and I don't like it. I don't feel like you get me. You're never going to get me. And I had this really strong like feeling like there is no space for me to talk to people about the things that I'm going through in a way that I feel like they'll actually be relatable. Um, so I think when I was later on in my career, when I was deciding what to do, I was like, Hey, that would kind of be nice to be a therapist and to hopefully be one that other people can not just learn from or grow from, but also relate to, and just maintain being a very normal person while I do the work that I do. Can I just say, yeah, I love doing this podcast. Okay. <laughs> and I cannot believe so many things you just said that I connect to. Okay, let's start wow. off with one. I'm a very deep person, very sensitive. And I, I feel like um, I definitely connect to people on, on, a, on a level that other people don't seem to get. And sometimes it's very difficult because yeah. you really feel somebody else's pain and you know you need to function and you need to really separate yourself from that. And, I, and you know, a lot of my children are very similar to that too. Like, I mean, to, this, to the craziest point where I remember once I was in... In the supermarket, and I saw that the the checkout lady was yeah. in a bad mood, and I felt like it was my duty to make yeah. sure she's in a in a good place. I mean, hello, no, okay. <laughs> so, so I definitely get that. And then, so funny when I became a teacher, I said I want to be the teacher I never had. Oh, so it's so interesting that you had this experience in therapy, and that you said to yourself, you want to be that therapist that is relatable, that, you know, is not sitting there and looks like they're 80 years old, but definitely you can connect to your clients on all different levels and walks of life. So is that, is, I think it's unbelievable. I mean, I just, when I, when I just connect to people, it's just like blows my mind. I just, I just love it. I love people. That's me. I love it. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. That's what this is all here for, right? To be able mm -hmm. to create these channels and to be able to open up these conversations so that we can all kind of enter and connect in the ways that are right for us. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Now, looking back, um, at your practice and at different things, whether again, it could be the social media aspect or in your own personal practice. Have you had any like regretful moments? You're like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> um, um, yes, we all do for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. In social media, huh? That's a good, I, I would have to think about that one. I'm okay. definitely sure I've had them, but I can't think of any off the top of my head. 
Okay. I would say that probably the biggest, I mean, it's always a balance between being open and being real um, and holding boundaries, especially as a therapist about your, your personal life. Um, so I try really hard to do that. And I think probably some of my biggest regrets will, are around not being real enough. If I'm being honest, I know that somebody once like sent in um, a response to one of my stories, like, how's your perfect day? And I'm like, oh, honey, <laughs> oh, let me tell you about my perfect day. Right. And I had was having the opposite of a perfect day, the opposite of a perfect week. There was a lot going on and things that were just way out of the norm. And I think that sometimes I fall into the, the trap of everything's perfect. Everything's good. Look at, look at this life. And, you know, as long as you're aware of your emotions, everything's going to be fine. And like, that's just not real. That's not true. And I, I don't love, you know, influencers who kind of make other people feel that way. Mm -hmm. And not that I'm anything close to an influencer, but I never want my social media platform to, to kind of like fall into that category of, I'm just going to put on a show that everything is great and dandy and not be real myself about the things that are just natural and inevitable parts of life. Right. Um, so I don't know if that's necessarily a regret, but it's something that I'm definitely cognizant of. And I've noticed myself falling into that trap for sure. You know, so funny. You said it again, um, uh, someone had posted something on Instagram yesterday and I was like, are you kidding me? So I send it to my daughter. She's 27. I sent it to her. I said, please make sure I never turn into that. I was like, what the heck was that? Like, I'm like, yeah, so she, starts, she starts laughing. Um, but you know, you're right. It's, it's so hard because I have this thing on my stories that I, I wish everyone good morning before I go into work. And I say, I'm about to go into work and I'm about to pray for the things I don't have yet, but as if I have them. This whole concept of manifestation and one, you know, it's really, it's really, it's kind of catchy. It's catching on and people are, are trying to do it themselves. And I, it's from a very dear friend of mine in Israel. Um, and so somebody reached out to me now on Facebook and yeah. said, oh, what, wow, that's so beautiful. What are you, or so like, she mentioned, so like, what are you doing? And I'm like, ha. Huh. Cause that was me putting up my boundary. Yeah. <laughs> that was me putting yeah. up my boundary. And then, and then like two days later, she's like, oh, so you don't want to tell me? And then I caved and I'm like, oh, I can't. I'm like, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I get, it wasn't anything majorly personal, whatever. Some people know what I'm, I'm praying for and things like that. But I don't know this woman from a hole in the wall. Like, why should I tell her yeah. what I'm praying for? I mean, right. You know, but of course, unfortunately, I'm, this is, I'm a work in progress. See, I'm not perfect. <laughs> so yes, sounds I like, definitely like that. Yeah. And to that, you know, it sounds like you're like every other human being that I yes. know. In terms of progress. So yes, boundaries and recognizing and validating that we're in the struggle without having to necessarily share what the struggle is. Struggle is, yes. Yeah, we don't know anybody anything. We just, right. we just speak the, the truth that's happening, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like you said, it's, it's a, it's a tightrope to walk because mm -hmm. you want to be relatable, but no one has to know every single part of your life. Uh, tell mm -hmm. me your proudest moment. Let's end with the proudest moment. Proudest moment. Oh, okay. Um, my proudest moments are for sure when I see my clients and my patients or people even who share with me on Instagram, when they take the things that they learned in therapy and they put them into their everyday lives without me even suggesting it or recommending it. I've had many like milestones with my clients, weddings and babies and engagements and things that I'm just like, I am 
I'm just so incredibly, incredibly proud that you brought yourself here because I know all the work that went into it. Um, so, so many proud moments, so many proud moments throughout the days and so many proud moments that kind of come up all the time. And I, I will share maybe one thing that I keep in mind all the time that makes me continuously proud. And I keep this sticky note on my desktop um, probably for, for the last five years when one of my colleagues shared it with me, he is awesome. And he, I was having a particularly rough day at work. Um, I, sometimes this happens, you go through like weeks where everybody's doing great. And then you go through weeks and I'm like, is the whole world falling apart? Is Mercury in retrograde? What's happening? <laughs> um, and I was having one of those weeks and he sent me this and I've kept it on my desktop ever since. I'll read it to you. It goes, hey, remember you are not alone and you do not need to finish the work. It takes time, but we're learning, we're growing, and we're becoming the people we wanna be. It helps no one if you sacrifice your joy because others are suffering. We who care must be attractive, must be filled with joy so that others recognize that caring, that helping, and that being generous are not a burden, they are a joy. Give the world your love, your service, your healing, but you can also give it your joy. This too is a great gift. Mm. And so that's really what I try to like keep in mind every day. There's always highs and lows in personal and professional life as I'm sure you know and I'm sure your listeners know too and I try to keep that because I really do think that that's at the bottom of all you know of all of us healers it's something that we need to keep in mind and and remember to do our jobs in the best way that we can you know I everything that was a beautiful beautiful write-up I think what hit me the most was that you're not here to finish the job yeah I think that is words of wisdom because also as a teacher uh, you know or anybody as, as a human, we're just a part of someone's journey. Yeah. And to think where their entire journey is, is ludicrous, narcissistic. I mean, we're not the end all to all and we're just a little piece of their puzzle. And, and, and it's very humbling to remember that. And it not, I think it's humbling. And I think it also is kind to us as people. Mm -hmm. It takes, it takes the load off. It takes the pressure off. Um, uh, but to know that you want to be a positive part of their journey, <laughs> not, not a negative one. That's what I always say. I, you know, I, I don't need to make a negative impact on a student, but I definitely would love to be a positive, but definitely not a negative. If I'm neutral, I'm okay too with that, right. but definitely not negative. Uh, but oh my gosh, Aliza, if people want to contact you, what's the best way they could do it? Um, amazing. Yeah. So email is best. Aliza Shapiro, LCSW at gmail.com. Okay, we'll put we'll put that we'll put that down in the when we post. Don't worry about it. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Um, email is always great, and I always like to set up a phone call if anybody wants to learn more about my practice or anything like that. Um, otherwise, you know, people can DM me, but I don't see all the DMs, so definitely email if you can. And yeah, I'd love to be in touch with anybody who who resonates with this or wants to talk further. And it's been so so amazing meeting you and getting to speak okay. with you and learn from you. Um, so thank you for having me. And just tell me what's your Instagram handle's name? Ah, therapist in NYC. Therapist yes. underscore in underscore NYC. Yes, it is. It, uh, you guys need to really check it out. Get <laughs> to know her a little bit on her platform. Just words of wisdom in, in, in the simplest form. And that sometimes we just need that. You know, I think our brains are going to mush. And so it's just a great pick me up from time to time. If, you, if you're looking for something, just look out for Aliza. Thank you so much, Aliza, for coming on. I so appreciate your time. My pleasure. It was so good to be here, Jordana. Thanks for having me. 
Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of Drink It In The Podcast. You can find all my episodes and so much more at maverickpodcasting.com. Come connect and say hi with me on Instagram at drinkitin underscore Jordana. If you like the show, leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next time.